0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove, joined, as always, by our Cavaliers beat reporter, Mr. Chris Feeder. And, Chris, we are officially less than a month away from the 2021 NBA
1: draft. Hmm. That's unbelievable. Um, it really is. If you, if you think about last offseason... There was such a lull in between that there was so much time to really dig into these prospects, maybe too much time to dig into all of these prospects. And now with things back on schedule, the normal schedule, scouting combine already have happened, you know, draft lottery already taking place. Now we're into pre-draft workouts. It's going to come faster than we actually think.
0: Yeah, I mean, literally like like four weeks from today, or, or excuse me, um, let's see, the tw- so four weeks from yesterday uh the NBA draft uh happening on July 29th so like mm. it's 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 going to you're right it's going to hop up upon us really quick um and unlike last offseason we talked about a lot last offseason about like the Cavaliers having so much time to to invest in these prospects, like they'd probably overthink things like three or four times. I I mean, I, with Okoro, I don't think they'd probably overthought. I thought they, I think they probably got the guy they wanted, but the the potential was there to like think it through and then think through again and then think through again and then think through again. <laughs> this year, none of that. They're gonna have to kind of you know hone in really fast and make their make you know find their guy and hope that he's there with the number three pick. Yep.
1: Yeah. And the thing that I think is interesting, Hayden, is. For a lot of the season, and it's something that I'm writing actually today, um, for a lot of the season, the Cavs were, whether it was truly realistic or not, they were part of the play-in-tournament mix for about, what, three-quarters of the season. They were hovering around the eighth spot. Uh, The teams in front of them that were also fighting for that play-in-tournament were flawed, and they were struggling. And it wasn't until like Washington went on this ridiculous run at the end of the season to basically push the Cavs out, and the Cavs also fell, and they had a bunch of injuries. But the point is, they weren't expecting to pick third overall. Um, Not in January, right? Not in March, um, not even going into the NBA draft lottery. They weren't expecting the third overall pick. They had done so much homework— and so many deep dives, statistical analysis and breakdowns when it comes to film-related things on the prospects between five and ten, because that's where they right. thought they were going to be picking. So um, now they are in a spot where they're choosing from a different pool of player. The guys that they were looking at, Keon Johnson, Josh Giddy, Corey Kispert, Jonathan Kaminga, probably Jalen Johnson— All those guys, I mean, the only one that you could make an argument for, for the number three spot, is Jonathan Kaminga. And even that is more about archetype. Even that is more about fit position that he plays, because he's just not in the same category as, you know, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, and Jalen Suggs. So that is going to make it pretty interesting for the Cavs as well. That all that work that they did on on the prospects between five and ten is essentially null and void. And now it's shifting their mindset into a different um pool of player, a better pool of player,
0: right. It's probably a good, you know, they're they're very happy to uh, to make this shift from that pool of player to this pool of player, given you know, the talent level of of the guys you mentioned. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I, I don't think I'm not going to say I'm going to say I'm going say that maybe, you know, that's a little overblown because obviously they, they've they done their homework on everyone. You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like they've done their homework on Cade Cunningham. They've done their homework on Jalen Suggs. But like, you know, they they definitely want to, you know, continue to hone in on those guys. And maybe the maybe they didn't put in as much work on them because they didn't think they would be there. But, I mean, I think they'll have plenty of time now to put their work in on maybe not even Cade Cunningham if they really believe he's going to be in uh, Detroit. Uh, but at least Suggs... Um, green and Mobley
1: yep do you have an early favorite at this point somebody that you like better than the other
0: I mean I think I said Suggs on the last podcast and I I would still go I think I would go with that okay um just because I think Jalen Green probably will be gone I I think that Houston I I think that he's probably the Mm. you think you think Mo who you think will you think Houston will go with Mobley
1: I don't think anybody knows at this point. I think it's extremely difficult to peg Houston. One, because Houston has um, a new front office. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of history there that you can go off of. And two, those guys are so different. Evan Mobley is a seven-foot big who plays more like Chris Bosh, Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant than his size would indicate. Jalen Green is an athletic freak who is getting comparisons to Zach Levine, Bradley Beal, those types of guys. So it's it's really, there's less value attached, I think, nowadays to somebody like Evan Mobley. And there's more value attached to somebody like Jalen Green. But Mobley as a prospect is probably cleaner and better than Jalen Green. So I think that makes it really, really complicated. And the other thing to consider, too, Hayden, is, um, look, I don't think Houston's in any position where they're going to consider fit. It's about a talent grab. Right. But if they're similar in talent, and I think we can admit that they are similar in talent, Mm -hmm. oftentimes fit becomes a bit of a tiebreaker. Um. And Jalen Green is very similar to somebody they already have in Kevin Porter Jr. Mm -hmm. And Evan Mobley is very similar to somebody they already have in Christian Wood. So I don't know. I don't know that there's one obvious guy that stands out for somebody like Houston. I think they could easily go Green. I think they could easily go Mobley. I think it's hard to say one way or the other.
0: Yeah, it's it really is interesting. It's fascinating, and you kind of wish, you know, you you kind of wish for your Cavs fan that they have the number two pick, so that you wouldn't really have to worry about you know anybody in front of you, um, except for obviously Detroit being number one, and you kind of know where they're gonna go, um, so you kind of have your pick of the litter of Suggs, Green, and Mobley, but you're still gonna have you know a, a choice, and um, and I mean Jalen Green again, a great great prospect, um. Just I think, again, there's a little bit of that that bias because he wasn't around in terms of being on national television, et cetera, um, from fan bases. But obviously from the front offices, that's a little bit different. Um, who is your favorite kind of as, at the moment?
1: Well, before I go into that, I want to ask you a question. Since you brought up Suggs, because yeah, Suggs is the one of those three that I think might be the toughest fit. And again, I'm not saying that the Cavs are in position – to go fit or they need to make fit drive this decision solely. Right. Um, But, you know, Suggs is the kind of guy who you want the ball in the hands of because his passing is unbelievable because his playmaking is really, really good because that's where he can make the biggest impact and lift his teammates and things along those lines. Does it concern you at all that that's, the same way that you want to approach things with Darius Garland in year three, you want the ball in his hands. You want him to be the primary decision maker. Things along those lines.
0: I mean, to me, no, um, because okay. again, we're we're at a place where I think we both agree that we're not. I think we've both said this on the podcast previously. It's that um, fit is definitely not the number one priority. It's it's definitely a a consideration. Um, mm-hmm. But right now, they just need to get the guy, and I think we've we've kind of addressed that. You know, it's been enough of. It's been enough of um, you know drafting in the later positions in the top ten. It's been enough of you know of the smaller whatever the, whatever it may be. It's it's now about you know drafting the guy, and I don't care if he's a point guard. I don't care if he's a, a shooting guard. I don't care if he's a three, four, five, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not as concerned about fit. So for that reason, I don't care about, you know, they, you got to make it work. If you feel like Jalen Suggs is the guy to build around, mm-hmm. if you feel like he's the guy that is going to lead you forward, then you build around him. Then you you make it work with him. Then maybe, okay, then maybe Darius has to, you know, adjust his game a little bit, or maybe you trade Colin Sexton or whatever the case may be. And we'll talk about that soon. But um, I think at this point, um, I would, I would don't care as much about fit.
1: Okay. I think that's a fair way to look at it. Yeah. And look, I think the Cavs are in a position, Hayden, at number three. I wrote this immediately after the draft. There is no wrong answer. Right. Either way, they're going to get the guy who is the most important player of this rebuild, the most talented player of this rebuild, and the best player of this rebuild. And then right. what you do with the rest of the roster is entirely up to you. Um, exactly. It could be a situation where it's up to just J.B. Bickerstaff and his coaching staff to find a way to make the pieces fit. If you have enough talent, you figure it out. right? Talent wins in the NBA. I, I don't know too many teams that you could sit there and you could say, well, they didn't win the NBA championship because the fit wasn't right. I think yeah. the only one that comes to mind over the last you know, five years is the one that pops up this past year. It's Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Right. Fit was obviously a detriment to their ability to move on. But they had some other issues as well. So it wasn't entirely fit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think obviously that's the coaching staff's job is, is to try and figure it out. And nowadays in the NBA, you can stagger these guys. You can find a way to play them 30 minutes. You can play three-guard lineups. Sometimes you can play four-guard lineups based on the matchup. Um, So I just think too many people focus on positional fit, where it's about a skill set. And the thing that I'll say about Suggs is that the skill set that he brings to the table, it's different enough than Colin Sexton. I think it's relatively similar. To Darius Garland in terms of the vision, in terms of the passing, in terms of getting your teammates involved throughout the course of the game. Um, But it's still different than Darius because Darius is a sniper. He can play off the ball because he's got such a shooting prowess. You know what I mean? Like There are enough skills that Suggs brings, including intangibles, leadership, maturity, that are different than the way that Colin and Darius, different enough than the way that Colin and Darius play the game, that you could still make an argument for fit. And he's stronger and more physical than Darius and Colin, where you feel like maybe he can hold up a little bit better on the defensive end of the floor. So I think too many times people think of fit as position. I think they need to start considering fit from a skill set standpoint.
0: Right. And yeah, I, I completely agree. So with that, like... Would Mo, I mean, I, I think a lot about Mobley, uh-huh. because he's like, you know, obviously he's a very, very talented guy, and some would argue maybe the second most talented player in this draft, outside of Keith Cunningham. Mm-hmm. But, like, and if he, and if, again, and, and this, this is about fit, I was just, you know, preaching about how I, you know, I don't care about fit, but with Mobley, it's like, does it, I mean... I just – it, it I, it's tougher for me to to agree with myself about fit when it comes to him because <laughs> you, have, you, have Jer- you, you have Jared Allen, you know, you have um, Kevin Love, you have Larry Nance Jr., yep. and you add another big into that mix, and you, all of a sudden you're looking at, like, a lot of kind of skilled bigs, which is good, I suppose, because, again, the NBA MVPs or MVP candidates this year were both bigs. But, like – then could you play all three at the same time? Like I don't know. I, I don't know. That's my only concern. Is I guess you know, like I said though, if if Mobley's the best player in the draft and if he's the guy that can change your franchise around, then you make it work. Then you you know then you do what you got to do with Jared Allen, do what you got to do with Larry and Kevin, whatever, who else, whoever else. Um, but that's the that's the one where fit really just is a little more concerning to me than any of the others.
1: See, I disagree. Okay, I disagree because. We have no clue when it comes to Kevin Love. absolutely not. I don't That's even good. think I don't even think he should be in consideration for anything when you talk about this this roster, this franchise moving forward.
0: And he might not be. But again, I'm just going based off of like the fact that Kobe says, you know he's an important part of our franchise. You know, I, I get that that could just be you know top
1: yeah, right. But he hasn't proven to be an important part of the franchise over the last right. couple of years. He can't stay healthy. He's on the wrong side of 30. His skills are obviously diminishing. Um, And the Cavs have been trying to trade him for how long at this point in time? So I think there's a reality attached to Kevin Love that is a little bit different than the way that members of this organization are going to talk about Kevin. I think at this point, Hayden, they have to look at anything they get from Kevin Love as a bonus. It's just the reality of the situation that they're in. On top of that... Sources tell me that there's a plan to diminish his role anyway going into next season. Yeah, I Um, mean, that's right. Because there's just, like, he can't be a a 30-minute-a-night player anymore at this stage of his career. That's not the way to maximize somebody like Kevin. Right.
0: It's—go ahead.
1: So I think you have to consider that. I think you also have to understand that I want to go back to something that Bobby Marks said. Remember on the podcast, he was talking about you need to find eight, nine guys that you're really comfortable with in your rotation. It's not about having 11 or 12. It's about eight, nine. At this point, we know that Larry Nance Jr. and Jarrett Allen are part of that, right? Right. Is that fair to say? Yes. Okay. But they're still short. So even if the guy is a big and it's not quote unquote ideal, Evan Mobley would still be one of those eight or nine, wouldn't he? Right. Yeah. So you find a way to play him 30 minutes. You find a way to play Nance 25. You find a way to play Jared Allen 30 and Kevin 18 to 20. Okay. That possibility exists. Yeah. See, just because Mowgli is a seven footer, it doesn't mean he's a Jared Allen seven footer. It doesn't mean he's an Andre Drummond seven footer. Again, right. his comparison is more about Anthony Davis, Chris Bosch, Jaron Jackson Jr., Kevin Duranty, those types right. of seven footers. Right. You don't have one of those seven footers, do you?
0: No, no, you certainly don't.
1: So you find a way. Right. I think you can play Jarrett together with Evan Mobley. Those two guys can play together, and that's fine. I think you can probably play Mobley at at the five and Kevin Love at the four in certain lineups. I think you can probably play Mobley at the five, the backup five, and Larry Nance Jr. at the four at some times. I think you could probably even get away with, at times, Allen at the five, Mobley at the four, and Larry Nance Jr. at the three. Yeah, Depending on the matchup, depending on what you need on a nightly basis.
0: That's a good point. If you, I mean, if he, listen, if he ends up being a Durant type player, then, uh,
1: I I mean, that one's obviously a little bit different, but he's got a ball handler playmaker skill set at the big, um, as a seven footer. He doesn't shoot it like Durant. We all know that he doesn't score it like Durant, but in terms of the other skills that he brings to the table in terms of his initiating, his playmaking, his handle, his vision being used as an offensive hub that's more like Durant than it is some of these other seven footers that you would throw out there. That's what I'm saying. Don't get stuck on the Durant thing, please, because I don't want people to <laughs> aggregate that or anything <laughs> like that or blow that out of proportion.
0: Yeah. Chris Wellerftua.com <laughs> says Evan Mobley is footer <laughs> Put it out there. Forget what Chris says. Aggregate it.
1: I'm just my, kidding. My Please point don't. is not all seven footers are centers. Not all seven footers play like centers.
0: Right. That's true. That's very true. So I think you're right. I think the fit is definitely a little different than normal. a normal seven footer. But still, um, you know, there there would have to be some maneuvering. And you're right. I mean, heck, he probably did say you need nine guys. And I kind of agree with that. Um, I think that we can maybe all agree that Jalen Green might be the best
1: fit in terms the of the best or, fit uh, of the three. Um, I think it's the easiest fit, provided either Jalen or Colin is willing to come off the bench in a six-man type role. Right. It could be the easiest fit, Sure. The other thing is, like, Jalen Green's style is not not the same as Colin's style. You know, I was talking to a lot of people over the last couple of days, Hayden, and and Jalen Green is more—they think he is best still at this stage of his development in more of a catch-and-shoot scorers-type role as opposed to a creator as a scorer-type role. Colin's more of a creator. Darius is more of a creator. And look, Jalen could become that, right? That's where the comparisons to Zach Levine come up and, and things along those lines. But if he could be that catch-and-shoot, move him away from the ball, pin downs, screens, maybe run some one-two stuff with Darius Garland and Jalen Green that could make um, a defense be put into a bind, that would be really, really <laughs> intriguing to me. Um so I, I, I've i said it, I've written it. I don't think Jalen Green's arrival means Colin would have to go or Darius would have to go. Um, I think the Cavs would explore the possibilities, see what potentially they could get in that type of package. But I could see a way um, where there are times throughout the course of games where all three of them are on the court together and because Jalen is more of that catch-and-shoot type who could be the beneficiary of some driving kick and he doesn't need the ball in his hands to be um, as successful as maybe somebody like Darius or Colin Um, it would at least be you could squint and see it working let's put it that way All right
0: so did you say t- I, I, I might have missed it if you give me your favorite who is your favorite to this point
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just going pure talent grab, and I think Mobley is a little bit um, higher up on my overall ranking list than somebody like Jalen Green. But they are in position where they're either going to get Mobley or Green, and to me, that's a win. So if Houston takes Mobley, I think the Cavs should take Green. If Houston takes Green, I think the Cavs should take Mobley. And if they get one of those two guys— it's a home run pick, in my opinion.
0: So Suggs is not, Suggs is your last. Uh,
1: yeah, he's the last of that group for me personally.
0: Just I think his talent.
1: talent is, I think his talent is on a different kind of level than Mobley and Green. Okay. Here's the thing that I struggle with when it comes to Suggs, and he did a lot of really, really good things. And he is going to be, I think, a great player in the NBA. I struggle with it from this standpoint, Hayden. Um, The thing hmm, beyond vision and passing, because I think that's an elite trait for Jalen Suggs. Mm -hmm. So beyond that, the things that make him potentially elite are all intangible things. I don't know what to do with that. Okay. Okay. It's not like he's an athletic freak. It's not like he's an elite shooter. It's not like he's an elite ball handler. It's not like he has elite footwork. You know, things along those lines you can look at and either attach to Mobley or Green. And and it allows me to see superstar potential a little bit easier. Um, with Suggs, it's leadership. It's magnetism. It's a maturity to his game it's poise it's cojones you know what i mean like you can't teach those things and that's great and those things separate him and he's a coach's dream but it's like you can't measure those things either i don't know how to quantify those things hey i'd like to take a minute to tell you about how to sign up for Cavs text and analysis from me chris fedor here's how it works I'll text you a few times a day with the inside scoop and analysis on the team. What I'm hearing, I give it to you before things happen. Like Kevin Love being reprimanded for his outburst. Like the Cavs losing the pre-lottery coin flip to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like Lindsey Gottlieb's decision to leave. You get the juicy nuggets even before they're up on cleveland.com. You can also text me directly, day, night, whenever, but I mean, let's not get too carried away. Still, it's a great way to cut through the clutter of social media. Try a 14-day free trial. You can cancel any time. All it takes is one text, but you won't want to cancel. So many subscribers have joined and stayed over the last year. They love it and interact with me on a daily basis. You can too. $3.99 a month, which is less than 14 cents a day. It's a perfect time to join. It's the run-up to the NBA draft. Free agency around the corner. It's a critical offseason for the Cavs. Go to Cleveland.com slash Cavs, click the blue banner at the top of the page, or text me 216-208-4499. 216-208-4499. Well, I
0: think maybe I'm looking re- at it wrong. I think that's the reason that I that's the reason that I do like JL. <laughs> because of those things. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the Cavaliers are in desperate need. Of a leader, I think they're in desperate need like, of a guy that has those characteristics that that magnetism, that 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 leadership, that you know ex, that maturity, that um, polish. I mean, you know, not that again, for whatever reason, I don't, I just don't see it with. Col- I mean, Colin, yes, Colin puts his head down, Colin works hard, Colin is a, um, for lack of a better term, a bull, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't, I think Darius is a little young and like, I don't see it with him as much. Um, He's quiet. yeah, quiet kid. Right. Like Jared Allen to a point. I mean, you yeah. know, I, I just feel like he would be the, I think Larry is probably their leader right now. And I think that they could use kind of an, a real, another alpha kind of a guy that can, you know, carry that load and, and bring that kind of intangible that you talked about. And I understand that, like, it doesn't necessarily mean anything on the basketball court, but I cert—I thir- certainly think that, you know, um, do not, the, again, aggregators do not say this at all, but, like, they need, like, a LeBron James quality where they have a leader, they have somebody who, you know, who can kind of uh, have that magnetism and bring the team together. So if yeah. that's Jalen Suggs and from everything um, we've heard that kind of is the way that he's, the things that he's about, um, I think that would be the first leader that the Cavaliers have really, really, really had since maybe, you know, since Kevin and, and, maybe now, um, or since LeBron, at least.
1: I mean, that's certainly something that you can say about Suggs. Like, there is the one thing that you can say. Like, every team that he goes to throughout the course of his life has gotten better because of him. Yeah. It's not with him. It's because of him. And he can change a franchise in the NBA in that same kind of way with those same kinds of qualities. And I think it is hard to overlook that. And I think there is some truth to what you're saying there, Hayden. It's just I don't know. I don't know that I could pick somebody third overall personally when you're talking about a unicorn like Mobley or you're talking about like an athletic freak of nature like Jalen Green, who was very, very good in the G League, by the way, against grown men, against professionals. That really stands out to me, and I think Mm -hmm. that deserves some consideration, too. When you have those kinds of guys, um, it's it's hard for me to say, you know, the guy that I'm going to take at three is the guy whose intangibles are what sets him apart. That's just for somebody like me personally, because, like, at some point, you wonder— Like, there are a lot of guys in the NBA like that. So at some point, you wonder, is that going to be enough of a separator for him? Or is Evan Mobley's versatility, athleticism, unicorn-type skill set, that to me is something that can separate him so much more from the rest of his peers in the NBA. Having that kind of separator, I think, is more valuable and beneficial than than Jalen Sugg's innate leadership and all those other things that we talked about with him.
0: So we know that Mobley is probably your favorite. So let, let as of right now, mm. let us let me know, tell me right now what your what you think will happen with um, with the with the Rockets and then where the Cavaliers will be.
1: I still think the Rockets, there's a lot of chatter back and forth. And you can talk to a bunch of different people, um, scouts, executives, and they'll give you a bunch of different answers on what they think Houston is going to do. Right. Um, I think people are very, very split on this. I'll still go with Mobley because I think he's the second best player in this year's draft. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to see it my way, but I think there are enough people that that see him as the second best player. I think there are more play more people that see him as the second best player in this year's draft than they do seeing Jalen Green as the second best player in this year's draft. So I think I still think at this point Mobley will go two to Houston.
0: And then Jalen Green three.
1: The Cavs would take Jalen at three. Yeah. Jalen Green at three. Okay. Right. Yeah. I like it that's okay. what i think they would do
0: now i we think did they'd do... be
1: thrilled with that
0: oh for sure i think absolutely they would be thrilled as well they should be i mean you know it's a really really good player and um potentially that's the guy to build around um we've mentioned it a couple times now mm-hmm. and Collins' names come up in trade talks um i think personally after going through it a little bit, and obviously, I mean, again, I'm not anti-Colin at all. I don't want to. I don't want to come off as anti-Colin, but I think I'm a little less. I'm a little less sold on Colin's fit here in Cleveland than maybe most or some or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think the the idea of trading Colin is actually very intriguing, because I think you could bring in potentially you know another, a really talented player. You could bring in um, a couple. Good pieces. Um, so, what are your overall thoughts on a potential Colin Sexton trade? And, like, would it be a good fit for Cleveland? Would it be a good thing for Colin? And, you know, would that make things easier, say, if they did draft Jalen Green to just kind of focus on him and then, you know, add around uh, him?
1: I honestly don't know how to answer this question without knowing what the Cavs could get back for Colin. And that becomes the most complicated thing to figure out. And I think that's part of the reason why there are these conversations going on. The Cavs want to figure out what the market is for somebody like Colin because they don't know. Um, And I think it makes sense if you're in a position like the Cavs to explore these kinds of opportunities, Um, even if it's just gaining knowledge about the market and how other people around the nba view somebody like colin sexton and -hmm. if they got an offer that made sense and it was going to make them better both in the short term and long term then i think you would say explore that right but it's like what kinds of offers if you're looking at colin just in a vacuum what kinds of offers are you going to get for that kind of guy? They they aren't going to blow you away because his number is not very high at this point in time. So any kind of Colin deal, I think, that would make sense for the Cavs to do, Hayden, has to be with him attached to Kevin Love because you're able to drop Kevin, which is a bonus, but you're also able to find a salary that's going to attach to Colin's number That's going to get you in the ballpark where you could get somebody Ben Simmons type, Brandon Ingram type. Uh, I don't don't even know who else off the top of my head. Uh, uh, Draymond Green type, like somebody that makes that kind of money that you think could potentially come here and make a discernible difference on the Cavs.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely. I think they're obviously going to explore it. I I was talking to somebody about Ben Simmons, and we talked about it. And I, you know, I don't love the fit, um, but they were kind of saying that they think that they think that um, that Ben Simmons just is is being used all wrong, like that he shouldn't be, you know, the on-ball guy. He shouldn't be, you know, forced to be the score like. They're saying more so that he could, if he like played like the three, and just kind of was an off-ball guy that that you know got to the rim and whatever that he could be a, that he was a you know a much more valuable player and that the Philly was using him wrong. Um, I think if that were the case, you know we did talk about the fit in terms of the way that he plays now that it wouldn't really wouldn't really wouldn't work. But I mean, if he could play that way, I think that would be very welcome. In, he in has two. to
1: want to play that way exactly. He's pushed back against that in the past. Right. Sure, if he could become similar to Draymond Green, a small ball 5 or a point forward. Sure. I think that would make sense. He wants to be a point guard. That's a problem. Yeah. He's got to shift that mentality first. It's well, easy to say, this, well, do you think I don't after know, he
0: was do you think after he was pretty humbled by um by you know this this last postseason, and maybe he does. I mean, he's not playing for Team Australia. Like maybe he's really going through it right now and thinking, like, man, I really gotta you know find a way, to find a way to make this work. We brought uh, that up
1: on the last podcast. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Maybe it's the epiphany that he needed, the way that LeBron needed an epiphany um, when he was with the Miami Heat and lost to the Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Yep. Yeah. I can't get in his head though. The other thing that LeBron did after that, and we talked about this on the last podcast too, is that um, LeBron went to go see a sports psychologist. Maybe Mm -hmm. Ben needs to do something like that. Maybe that would be um, something that leads to a huge shift in his thinking and a huge shift in his style and um, in the kind of player that he can ultimately become. But again, these things are up to him. And it's hard to give up what you would have to give up to get Ben Simmons, first of all, and two, then be okay with the kind of contract that you would be paying him.
0: What do you think? I mean, would it would it be a lot more than Colin to get Ben Simmons? Yes. Like how there,
1: much more? Oh, man. There are teams that have way more to offer for for Ben Simmons, I think, than the Cavs do. Um, it would be Colin Sexton... Kevin Love to make the salary match, which is fine, Hmm. because the Cavs move on from that. And probably a future first-round pick. Okay. I think that would probably be the starting point for that. Yeah. You know, I think Philadelphia is looking at using Ben Simmons potentially as the centerpiece of a Damian Lillard-type deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that would be something. Given that situation in Portland, that would be something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, I just don't, I don't foresee Ben Simmons landing here. I just, I don't, I don't see it. Um, but I mean, again, I think it could work better if he was willing to change that mindset. Uh, but I still think you're right. I still think there are better options out there for the Cavaliers. Um, and like I said, I mean, it, it's all about the market, you know, it's all about the market. Like what, what other teams would be willing to give for Colin? Mm-hmm. Um and it's, I, I say all the time, it takes two to tango and trades. So um, Cleveland could be very willing to let Colin go, but um, they'd be very willing to let him go at a price, at
1: the right price, you know. Well, there's also, there are a lot of layers to this whole Colin thing too. Any team that's going to trade for Colin Sexton has to be okay with giving him a massive contract extension. So not only do you have to give up assets in order to get Colin from the Cavs, and the Cavs are going to have a high price on Colin, sure. because they still like him, yes, because he still is a good player. Yeah, um, they absolutely should. So you have to give up assets in order to get him, and then you have to give him 25 to $30 million in terms of contract. And I think the number of teams um, that, one, are willing to do that and are in position to do that is probably pretty small at this point in time. So that's why I think, again, if you're having any hypothetical Cavs trades involving Colin Sexton, and you want them to be the difference-making type trades that that would make it beneficial for the Cavs, make it even worth it for the Cavs to go that direction, then you have to start talking bigger. You have to expand those to Kevin Love, so that the money is involved. Maybe Larry Nance Jr. Right. Right. So then you have to come up with okay, is there a deal out there then that is going to be worth it?
0: And that's Can what you I find we'll, one? I guess that's what we'll we'll have to find out. Because <laughs> we don't like we don't know. Like, there's no way for us, I mean, unless, you, unless you're unless you told by multiple people or whatever. No, I
1: haven't heard anything at this yeah. point in time. So, like, you can talk about the New York Knicks. You can talk about the Miami Heat. You can talk about the New Orleans Pelicans. You can talk about all those other teams. Again, you have to find a deal that the Cavs are not just in any hurry to get rid of Colin Sexton just because mm-hmm. they don't think it's going to fit if they draft whoever it is that they would draft. Right. That makes sense. Right. It's, it's about if we can get something that is significant enough, then we'd be willing to explore that. Yes,
0: 100%. Um, you mentioned something earlier that I, I want to bring up before we get out of here. Um, Colin Sexton, um, potentially, if they bring in Jalen Green, you'd try to you know maybe find a way to bring one off the bench. Is Colin at a place where he's ready for that? Or is he gonna be like, I've been here, I've been scoring, I've been putting in the work, I don't want to come off come off the bench. Or is he enough of a team guy, which he seems to be, where he'd be like, All right, well, as long as I get my minutes and as long as I get to, you know, do what I do, it doesn't really matter them coming off the bench.
1: I mean, I feel like we've talked about this so much, yeah. right? Right. Somebody's gotta take that job from him. Yeah. If Jalen Green's going to come here and he's going to take the job from Colin, okay, then so be it. That's something that you you cross that bridge with Colin. You have that conversation with Colin. Or right. you have that conversation with Jalen Green. Right. Or you find a way to um run out more three guard lineups. Right. Or you move Isaac Okoro to the bench and you try Jalen Green at three. It's probably not going to work because he's really, really slender. But those, to me, are good problems to have. It's about yes, role delineation. Um, it's about role delineation. It's about competition. If somebody's going to beat these guys out, then so be it. Freaking LaMelo Ball was the the rookie of the year, he came off the bench at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. He barely played um, the second half. I don't even know if he did play the second half of his debut game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Right. I just think, I just think that's working yourself up into a tizzy for no reason. That's fair. That's fair. All
0: I know is that um, I'm going to be spending the next four weeks watching a lot of YouTube. <laughs> you know what As I mean? As well you should. I mean, what else What else are you supposed to do? Until, you know, I guess you could watch the Combine. And, I, you know,
1: I'm, no, not a big combi-
0: no, I'm not a big Combine
1: guy. There I'm was not. nothing there of note for the Cavs. They're picking three, man. Like, if they were picking at the back end of the first round, then, yeah, some of those Combine guys who – you know, had big moments throughout the scrimmages or uh, did some really, really impressive things from an athletic standpoint at the combine, then sure, yes. But where they're picking at number three, you don't have to worry about that anymore, Hayden. That's the great thing about it.
0: Correct. So now it's just about you two.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you're no longer in a position where you have to talk yourself into Corey Kispert because he's an elite shooter.
0: Do they um do they do they archive full G League games for, <laughs> on YouTube?
1: That's Is a good that question.
0: Around NBA.com?
1: I mean they are connected with NBA.com. I don't know. But I don't know if it gets to that point. It might.
0: Well, there's no doubt in my mind that there will be a way to find um Jalen plenty of Jalen Green game <laughs> action, plenty of Jalen Green highlights, plenty of Evan Mobley highlights, you know, obviously at USC, and Jalen sucks. So that's what I'll be doing for the next four weeks: is is bearing down YouTube and and changing my mind four times before the draft starts. You know,
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, that's how these things go.
1: Of course, that's well what these for things us, things... <laughs>
0: right? Right for but us. That, not yeah, it no, hopefully not.
1: Well, sometimes for executives, but executives are a little bit more pound the table for my guy kind of guys.
0: Right, exactly. And they're more privy to a lot of information oh. and, and sit-downs and whatnot. Oh, sure. And yeah.
1: the background information. Yes. The work ethic of these guys. Sure. They have access in a different kind of way. The other right. thing is, hey, look, man, we've talked about this throughout um, the course of the last couple of years on the podcast. All of these guys that the Cavs are considering at number three are all Team USA types, and the Cavs have great relationships with USA Basketball, so they're going to get great information from their contacts at USA Basketball on all these kinds of guys. There you go. They'll know them really, really well. By By the time that the draft rolls around, they're going to know these guys inside and out. Film breakdowns, statistical analysis. Um, there's going to be in-person workouts with these guys, too, so... They'll so be prepared. There's no doubt yeah. about that.
0: We'll keep on the lookout for the reports of those workouts on cleveland.com slash calves, where you can find all of Chris's work. Um, and we'll definitely sign up for Chris's subtext. Again, uh, $3.99 a month, 14-day free trial. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash calves, click on the blue banner, blue banner uh, insert your phone number, and you'll be all set to go. All kinds of insight and analysis, whatever Chris is hearing. Uh, from his sources, will be sent straight to your phone before the end. Like I said, we're four weeks away from the NBA draft. Plenty of stuff to come.
1: Mm-hmm. So again,
0: three ninety nine dollars a month, 14-day uh, free trial. And uh, like he told you before in this podcast, um, a great place to get information. So Chris, um, if you have anything else, speak now or forever hold your peace.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I just think when it comes to Colin, like, look, if if they could find a way – to not have to give him the max extension while at the same time rejiggering the roster and improving
0: rejiggering
1: thank you thank you improving other areas of it while using colin to facilitate that then i think i would be on board with that i think a lot of people would be on board with that and then you could make the argument okay maybe jalen green right now is not as good as colin sexton But maybe the drop-off between Jalen Green and Colin Sexton isn't so significant, where if you're also in conjunction with that, improving a different area of your roster, the power forward spot, the small forward spot, whatever the case may be, um, then I think that would make sense for the Cavs to explore. No doubt about it. But just getting rid of Colin Sexton because you don't want to pay him or getting rid of Colin Sexton because you don't think it will work, um, I I don't think the Cavs are in a position to be that desperate at this point in time, especially because he's not a restricted free agent this offseason. Something with Colin doesn't have to get done this offseason. You can just let this thing play itself out. The other thing is there's part of me, Hayden, that would really, really like to see how it would look with Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, and Jalen Green all together, or Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, and Evan Mobley in that mix all together before making a rash decision that it's not going to work. And we've got right. to move on from one of those guys.
0: Right. There's no need necessarily to do it like immediately, correct. Sure. One hundred percent. You could you could let it work for a little bit and then, you know, if it's not working or you don't see it, then you know, right. go from there.
1: Right, but if Colin's part of a blockbuster deal that could bring somebody like Evan, uh, Brandon Ingram, um, it could bring somebody like, uh, I don't even know who else, uh, Pascal Siakam, like those types of players that we've talked about for the last couple of weeks on the podcast, you know, all-star caliber players right now, um, and the Cavs could keep the third overall pick. Maybe they use Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, in a future first-round pick, something like that, if that's the direction that they can go, if that opportunity is going to present itself, then I absolutely think that makes all the sense in the world for the Cavs.
0: All right. Well, again, we'll have to see how that plays out, but certainly there are a lot of options for the Cavaliers, and uh, they're they're in, they're in a pretty good spot
1: right now. And none of I'm, them are bad. That's the none thing. of them are bad. Right. Keep coming back to that, man.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, after a lot of a lot of tough times, not all the options are all the options are pretty good right now. So you cannot you cannot really complain, which is certainly a good thing. Yep. Chris, uh, we will talk to you soon, my friend. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us on the Want to Go Talk podcast. Again, we were just a little under four weeks away from the NBA draft. Crazy to think about, but thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to go to cleveland.com/cavs and check out all of Chris's work. And uh, we will talk to you soon. Have a great weekend. Happy 4th of July. Take care.